0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come be with us present here. Fill our chat, fill our hearts, fill our minds, fill our discussion, or be with Art as he speaks to us. And just lead us in all truth. Lead us to know the Father. Lead us to know his Son. Lead us to know how we are his true children, his true sons and daughters. So we ask Holy Spirit to be with us and guide us in all things. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Father Gary. Well, I thought maybe it would be a good segue into this last session uh, if one or two of you wanted to share your experience with the guided questions over lunch. So would anyone like to share with us? what your experience was?
2: Um, I already spoke twice last time, but if no one else is gonna go. Okay. Well,
3: thank
2: you. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, so I've, I've really um, allowed and asked um, the Holy Spirit, I guess like the St. Ambrose quote, that you gave and um, so grateful to have this experience today and I hope others are, are growing too. Um, so I guess, let me just share how I wrote about, um, so I've thought about moving and um, it means though, accepting that um, the f- family, there's separation in the family. So it means like, and I don't know, I kept asking, is it physical or spiritual? moving that I really need to do. If it's both, um, then I have to face that uh, there is separation and to know that the family or to accept that the family is not safe. Um, And then I'm like, but, but I just wish that if it is physical moving, that the Holy Spirit had a moving truck and a set of hands with some tough guys. Um, I said, does the Trinity have a moving truck and a set of guys because it feels daunting to try and move out of state, but, um, this where I'm living in, in Oregon is really tough right now. Um, and so anyway, I don't want to go on too much, but I just can't believe the imagery that comes and all of a sudden I felt the sense of relief that, uh, yes. Um, and then I, and then I Googled scriptures about family separation and, um, and moving and there's so many beautiful ones like Abraham being told by God, you'll, you'll move and find a new land and, and, and just meant in Job and, and these others and all of a sudden, it's like, wow, with scripture. Yeah, then God really is with me. And then I have to say, and then I said, if you're going to be with me, Lord, though, how can I really, really trust you? Well, there will be betrayal just like there were with family members? And then I said, no, the betrayal from family members is not of God. You're of God and a caring God and loving God. And any betrayal that happens in families is from the enemy and the lies that get created and the dysfunction and everything you described when you um, answered that lady in the last
1: session. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else before we segue into this last section?
0: I just had one person write in, kind of anonymously, that they were uh, very appreciative that the the last the the questions from the last talk that really hit a note, especially about that uh, feeling of weeping, and for the things that we've taken for granted. You know, now that I'm able to receive the Eucharist again, I realize how important it is for me, and um, do have worries that might be taken away again. So, um, just. Just the person shared, you know, that I've, by the grace of God, I haven't wavered and grown deeper, um, but I have suffered a lot of spiritual attacks, like never before the last six plus months, so just asking for prayers and and feeling a little weary and lost in this time, so.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, let me uh jump off of that and summarize the scriptures that we covered today, specifically as it relates to loneliness and being troubled, and and where the comforter comes into it. So I'll I'll start in four sixteen, and I'll read in order here. Jesus said in John fourteen sixteen and seventeen, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Advocate, comforter, to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of the Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I really want to emphasize that the Holy Spirit is with you and he lives in you. And in this section, I'm going to talk about what the church talks says about confirmation. And I believe this is going to comfort you. John 14:18 and 19, Jesus says, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. And may that be personal for you. But the Lord is saying, I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. John fourteen, twenty seven. Peace, I leave, leave you. Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. I do not give to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. In John 14, 26, right before that, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. So where we started today was you're not alone. You're not to be troubled or afraid dismayed be strong and courageous for the lord is with you he spoke to joshua and in deuteronomy lord says i'm not going to leave you as orphans i'm going to come to you i'm going to send you my spirit the advocate the holy spirit the comforter the spirit of truth who is going to live in you and be with you forever what does this mean what does this actually look like and how does this relate to our faith as catholics I want to talk to us now about Christ's mission and about purpose, living on purpose, living in purpose, living in what God intends for us with the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, Comforter living inside of us. This is Catechism 871. This is what our church tells us about mission, 871, and I'm going to read Catechism 1294. 871 says, the Christian faithful are those who, inasmuch as they have been incorporated in Christ through baptism, have been constituted as the people of God. So you, through your baptism, have been constituted as the people of God. For this reason, since they have become sharers in Christ's priestly, prophetic, and royal office in their own manner, they are called to exercise the mission which God has entrusted to the church to fulfill in the world in accord with the condition proper to each one. Now, we know (coughs) that a priest, Father Gary, is called and anointed as priest, prophet, And king. But here the church is saying to us that we each have received and are sharers in Christ's priestly, prophetic, and royal office. And that we are called, you and I, are called to exercise the mission which God has entrusted to the church. To fulfill on the world. So, in some of the discussion questions, some of you were sharing the pain and the sorrow for family, for loved ones, for the church, for the world. What's the answer for that? The answer for that is you and I. You and I living into the mission of Jesus Christ. For you and I to receive all that we've received through our baptism and our confirmation what we receive weekly as we partake in the Eucharist and the mass for us to take everything that Christ has given us and to give it to the world. But how do we give what we don't have? How do we give the love and the life and the peace and the joy and the fulfillment and the hope to a world that needs it? Well, we have to have that within us. We have to abide in Christ and allow the fruit of christ to flow through his vine out our branches to a world in great need but you and i were invited into the mission of jesus christ and listen to what it says about confirmation in catechism 1294 by confirmation christians that is those who are anointed do you know that you're anointed how do we know that well because the church says it right here christians those who are anointed By confirmation, Christians, those who are anointed. Why are we anointed? Well, because the name Christ means anointed one. We know that as Christians, we are followers of Jesus Christ, little Christ, Christians. We are also partakers in the mission of Jesus Christ. And we are also, as Christians, through our confirmation, we are anointed ones, because Christ means anointed. So by confirmation, Christians, that is those who are anointed, share more completely in the mission of Jesus Christ. That through your baptism and through your confirmation, not only do you have the comforter and the spirit of truth living inside of you, but you've also been invited to live into Jesus' mission. And I'm going to talk about that more. This is going to be exciting. Live into the mission of Jesus Christ in the fullness of the Holy Spirit with which he is filled. So that their lives give off the aroma of Christ. What is the Catechism saying there in 1294? That you and I as Christians are anointed ones and we're to live into the mission of Jesus Christ and we're to give off the aroma of Christ. I jokingly say I put off many aromas. (laughs) But the aroma, the goal is to give off the aroma of Christ. What is the aroma of Christ? I believe it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's connect this back to John 14. John 14, 12, right in the middle of the passages we've been reading. Jesus says this to his followers, which include you and I. He says to you and I, very truly, I want to give you a little hint. When Jesus says truly, he's telling the truth. When he says very truly, he really means it. (laughs) So this is really true, okay? So Jesus says, very truly, I tell you. The one who believes in me. So let's pause a moment. Ask yourself, do I believe in Jesus? Well, of course, you wouldn't be taking your Saturday to do this. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, this is what Jesus is saying to you and I in John 14, 12. The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the father. And then he says after that, and I'm going to send you the comforter, the spirit of truth who will be with you always and will live in you. So what is Jesus saying here? I remember one time reading, I was just reading in the Bible, reading through my scriptures. I was reading through the book of John. And I stumbled on this. And it's like, I felt the Holy Spirit say, read that again. And I went back and read it again. And I felt the Lord challenging me and saying, Bart, do you believe in me? I'm like, well, of course I believe in you. I've given you my life. Well, then I've invited you to do the things that I've done. I'm like, well, Jesus, what do you mean by that? Well, let's talk about that. What are some things that Jesus did? Well, we know he loved, we know he had mercy, we know he forgave, we know he had compassion. We know that he spoke prophetic words from the Father. He heard what the Father was saying. He he saw what the Father was doing. He came to reveal the will of his Father. came to do the will of his Father. He preached. He shared the good news of the gospel. What else do we know that he did? Well, we know that he would lay hands on the sick and they would be healed. That the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the lame would walk even the dead were raised so is jesus really saying that if you and i believe in him we will do those same things oh come on when i first thought of that i went that's crazy i'm not god i'm not that's 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 blasphemy that can't be i can't do the things that jesus did but then i it, it dawned on me yeah Jesus was God, but he lowered himself of his divinity, and he dwelt among us as a man, and he invited us into his mission. He invited us as his followers to do what he's done. So I had to wrestle with that, and maybe you're having to wrestle with that even right now. What does this really mean? How could I do the things that Jesus did? Let me ask you a question. How many miracles are recorded in the Gospels? before Jesus was 30 years old? None. There are none recorded. The first miracle that is recorded that we read about is Jesus at a wedding with his mom. The wedding of Cana. Remember that one? They ran out of wine, and they came with some vases of water, and Mary says to them, just do whatever Jesus tells you. Jesus is like, hey, mom, it's not my time. (laughs) She says, just do what he tells you. So they brought the vase of water, and Jesus blessed the water. And we know the water turned into wine. And it says Jesus saved the best wine for last. Usually at a wedding, they bring out the expensive stuff first. And then when people have had a few too many to drink, they bring out the cheap stuff. (laughs) But here's Jesus. At the end of the wedding, he turns it into wine, and it's the best wine. That's his first miracle. Then we see after that all kind of miracles. The blind would see, the deaf would hear, the lame would walk. That lady brought her her dead child to Jesus, and the the baby got up and walked. He, he, He called Lazarus forth from the tomb, dead, now resurrected from the dead. We know Jesus himself was resurrected from the dead, thank God. We know the lame would walk, the blind would see, the deaf would hear. The lepers were healed. This is the stuff that Jesus did. And he's saying to you and I, as his church, and and those of us that are feeling the ache and we're looking at the world and we're seeing the pain, and we don't know what we can do about it. Well, Jesus is showing us what we can do about it. He's invited us to live into his mission and to do what he's done. How can I do that? Well, because the same spirit that lived in Jesus lives inside of you. What happened when Jesus was 30? When Jesus was 30, he went out to the wilderness with his cousin. Remember John the Baptist, the guy who would wear camel's clothes and eat locusts and honey? And he would speak to the people and say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And people were baptized. Well, Jesus showed up out there to his cousin, and he said, hey, John, I need to be baptized. And John said, I can't baptize you. I'm not even worthy to tie your sandals. He says, no, this must be done. To fulfill the Father's will. And so Jesus is baptized. And when Jesus goes under the water, he comes up. What happens? Three significant things happen. When Jesus comes out of the water, the scriptures say, the heavens were opened. The next thing, the Father speaks to the identity of his Son. And he said, This is my beloved in whom I delight, in whom I'm well pleased. He spoke to his identity and his mission. And then what's the third thing that happened when Jesus came up out of the water at his baptism, the Holy spirit descended upon him like a dove. He went into the wilderness for 40 days, tempted tested after that, he goes to this wedding. That's when his miracles began. Why did his miracles begin when he was 30? Because he was baptized and the Holy spirit descended upon him. And the father spoke to his mission and his identity. Yes, he was fully God, but like I said, he lowered himself of his divinity and dwelled among us as a man. He, too, was baptized. He, too, received the Holy Spirit. He, too, received the affirmation of the Father. Kate, I believe it was you talking about it is a fa- We need the Father's affirmation. We need to know that we have what it takes. The Father speaks that affirmation. Well, here, God the Father was speaking this into Jesus. This is my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him. That's when the miracles began. So here's Jesus saying to you and I, to his followers, if you believe in me, you'll do what I've done. You know what? I, I can't wrap my brain around that. How can I do the things that Jesus did? Because the Holy Spirit, he did not leave us as orphans, but he sent us the Holy Spirit. And he said in John 14, he will teach you everything say, so, okay, that's great, but where is this in the Catholic Church? Where does it talk about this? Thanks for asking. <laughs> this is in the Catechism under the Economy of Confirmation. So if you have pen and paper, you can write this down, and I recommend you you look this up. And you can do it simple. You can go online to the Catechism, and you can even do a word search, and you can put these numbers in there, and they'll pop up. Or you can just read through the catechism and find it. But it's paragraph number 1286, 1287, 1288, and 1302. Let me share those with you. I believe this is going to encourage you. Because it's one thing to look at life from the standpoint of our own loneliness, our own brokenness, our own troubleness, which we all need to look at. And as we've said several times, I recommend Bob's book on Be Healed. It'll bring us through the healing journey, but then we need to look beyond just ourselves and look at what is the Father doing? What is Christ doing? And what did he call me to do? Why is Jesus speaking these words to us not to be troubled and telling us that he is with us and he will be with us forever, and he's going to send us the spirit of truth who will teach us everything? And why does the church say that you and I have been invited into the mission of Jesus Christ? And why is Jesus telling us here in John 14, 12 that you will do the things that I've done if you believe? So let's hear what the church has to say about this. And I'm going to share with you what the church says, with reference to the Old Testament prophets, to the times of Jesus and the apostles up to the present day. And then 1302, I'm just going to kind of drive home the point that the church is making here. And I believe this is going to excite you. And again I recommend you do some homework on your own later cuz this is this is fun stuff. This is this stuff has transformed my Christian life. This has transformed my faith. This has brought things to a whole other level to get beyond just me to be able to live into the mission of Jesus Christ and it's the greatest adventure known to man. So listen to what our church says about confirmation, okay? Now let me let me prepare you As I travel around the country, well, I did before COVID. (laughs) Hopefully we'll do that again. I I will teach this almost everywhere I go. I teach this to the seminarians, to the priests, and I teach this at at most of the event that I do. And I'll ask the question. I'll say, how many of you, this is after I read all this, I say, how many of you, was this your experience at confirmation? What the church teaches here in 1286, 87, 88, and 1302. Whether it's a room of 20 people, a room of 500 people, the average number of people that raise their hand that say this was their experience, three to five people, three to five people. I'll say to the priest at the priest events, I'll say, what is wrong? How come so few are experiencing what the church says confirmation is? We don't fully have the answer yet. But part of it is, I don't think we're teaching this. So let me teach this. Let me share what the church is saying, and it's my prayer and it's my desire that every priest, every bishop, every church, every person will live into the fullness of this. 1286. Now remember, this is the teaching of the Catholic Church. In the Old Testament, the prophets announced that the Spirit of the Lord would rest on the for Messiah for a saving mission. The descent of the Holy Spirit on Jesus at his baptism by John, just what I just shared with you, was the sign that this was he who was to come. So when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism with John, the Old Testament knew that's the sign of the Messiah. It was the sign that this was he who was to come, the Messiah, the Son of God. He, Jesus, was conceived of the Holy Spirit his whole life. And his whole mission are carried out in total communion with the Holy Spirit, whom the Father gives him without measure. Here's Jesus, fully God, lowers himself as divinity, dwells among us as a man. And here the church is saying to you and I, when the Holy Spirit descended upon him, that was the sign that he was the Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus' whole life and his entire mission are in total communion and community with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, if you believe in me, you'll do the things that I've done our whole life. And our whole mission is to be in total communion with the Holy Spirit. 1287. This fullness of the Spirit was not to remain uniquely the Messiah's. See, it wasn't just for Jesus, but was to be communicated to the whole messianic people. Who are the messianic people? You and I. Why are we the Messianic people? Well, the same reason we are Christians after Christ, or anointed ones, because Christ means anointed. The same reason we're the Messianic people, because we're followers of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. This was to be communicated to the whole Messianic people. That's you and I. On several occasions, Christ promised this outpouring of the Spirit, a promise which he fulfilled first on Easter Sunday. And then more strikingly, at Pentecost. What happened at Pentecost? Jesus told his apostles, his followers, after he had died, he said, I want you to gather and pray, and I will pour out my spirit. I will empower you with the Holy Spirit. So they gathered and prayed. They were afraid in the upper room because Jesus was crucified. They're next. They're up in the upper room afraid. Jesus shows up in the upper room as a ghost through the wall, through the door. I'm not sure how he got in there. And they're scared. And he says to them, peace be with you. This is found in in John 20. Peace be with you. And I could just see him trembling. (laughs) And he says, look, it's me. We know Thomas put his hands in his wounds. And then he says to them again, peace be with you. And then he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathes on them. That word breath is the word ruha, which is the same word when God breathed into Adam's nostril the breath of life, the Spirit of God. Here, Jesus is breathing into his followers and says to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So, more strikingly at Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit, the apostles, so the followers of Jesus, began to proclaim the mighty works of God the disciples started doing the things that Jesus did. Do you remember the guy begging as they were walking into the temple, Peter and John? And they said, silver and gold, we have none, but get up and walk. And this invalid gets up, walks. I believe that's the first miracle that happened after Jesus' death and resurrection through the apostles. And then all through the book of Acts, it talks about the accounts of the miracles that would happen through the apostles, through the followers of Jesus Christ. So he said, you're gonna do the things I've did. I've done, and now they're doing them. In Acts 2, 42 to 47, after Pentecost, it says they gathered together daily for the breaking of bread, communion. They had all things in common. It says signs, miracles, and wonders were done among them daily. This is after Jesus ascended into heaven. Signs, miracles, and wonders were done among them daily, and thousands were added onto their number every day. The apostles began to proclaim the mighty works of God And Peter, the first pope, declared this outpouring of the Spirit to be the sign of the messianic age. Those who believed in the apostolic preaching and were baptized received the gift of the Holy Spirit in their turn. In the book of Acts, they would say, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? They said, we received a baptism from John. They said, that's a baptism for repentance. But Jesus said that he will baptize you in fire. And so they would say, we haven't received that yet. They would lay hands upon them and they would receive the baptism of fire, Pentecost. You can read this for yourself in the early, book, early chapters of Acts. So now, 1288. In case you think, well, that was just for then. It's not really for today. Well, here's how the church answers that. In 1288, from that time on, That's today. From that time on, the apostles, in fulfillment of Christ's will, imparted to the newly baptized by the laying on of hands, the gift. Hold on. i am lost my spot here. From that time on, the apostles, in fulfillment of Christ's will, imparted to the newly baptized by the laying on of hands, the gift of the Spirit, that completes the grace of baptism. After their baptism, they would lay hands upon them and they'd say, receive the Holy Spirit. The church is saying in 1288, that was the the baptism of the Holy Spirit that completed their water baptism. For this reason, in the letter to the Hebrews, the doctrine concerning baptism and the laying on of hands is listed among the first elements of Christian instruction. The imposition of hands, this is what our Catholic Church tells us in 1288, the imposition of hands is rightly recognized by the Catholic tradition as the origin of the sacrament of confirmation, which in a certain way perpetuates the grace of Pentecost in the church. So I want you to remember when you were confirmed, whether that's when you were younger or when you were older. When you were confirmed, typically it's a bishop, sometimes not. Most often it's the bishop. Remember what the bishop does? After you were were catechized and you went through your process, hopefully taught this, but unfortunately not many of us are, and the bishop anoints your head with oil, places his hand on your forehead, and says, receive the seal of the Holy Spirit, right? Well, 1288, the Catholic Church is telling us This laying on of hands, this imposition of hands is rightly recognized by the Catholic tradition as the origin of the sacrament of confirmation. What they did in the book of Acts is the origin of our confirmation, which in a certain way perpetuates the grace of Pentecost in the church. So, now just in case you're not clear on what this is saying, Catechism 1302 says this it is evident every time i read that i think of a priest at a priest event i'll share that story in a minute it is evident from its celebration that the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is the special outpouring of the holy spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of pentecost what is it saying it is evident through the sacrament that our confirmation has its origins and what the apostles received at Pentecost. I read it again. It is evident from its celebration that the effect of the Sacrament of Confirmation is the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. So when the bishop laid his hands upon you, anointed your head with oil, and said, receive the seal of the Holy Spirit, he's doing what our early church founders were doing 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts. When they said, Receive the Holy Spirit. The church is saying that is our origin. And that is the outpouring of the Spirit that happened on the day of Pentecost. So That's why I was saying earlier that we believe in all the traditions, the sacraments, the liturgy, all the beautiful traditions of the church, as well as the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened on the day of Pentecost, because that's what our church teaches. This isn't reserved for a special group of people, every Catholic. This is what the Catholic church says that you and I receive at our confirmation. But yet, why do only three to five people in a room of 500 raise their hand to say that's what they received? That's changing. Statistics say that 79% of young people who've been confirmed Catholic leave the church by the time I think, 24 years old, or 23, whatever it is. 79% of young people leave who've been confirmed. That's, that's a problem. As a friend said to me, if this was a business, we'd close our doors. It's not a business. It's the church. But there's a problem. In the book of Acts, when they gathered together and they were doing this and laying hands and praying for people to receive the seal of the Holy Spirit, it says signs miracles, wonders were happening, and thousands were added onto their number daily. We're seeing thousands leave. I personally believe it's because we're not practicing what the church says confirmation is intended to be. So I asked priests when I'm doing priest events, I said, Father, is there anything wrong with the sacrament? I said, no, of course not. Nothing wrong with the sacrament? Well, then what's the problem? And we can debate that. Some might say we're not teaching this. Some might say we're not receiving it. We weren't prepared. But there's nothing wrong with the sacrament. So I was sharing these same catechism quotes and scriptures at a priest event. 20 priests in the room. We become intimate. It's middle of the week. I'm reading this and a priest over to my left, as soon as I say, it is evident he did this and he was visibly angry. And by the time I got done, he was really angry. So I dared to to ask him. I said, Father, are you okay? What's wrong? And because they had built such a trust with one another, there was an openness to share. And I said, are you okay, Father, what's wrong? He says, no, I'm angry. I said, okay, I'm I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm, waiting to get in trouble. Yeah. Okay, well, why, why are you angry? He says, well, because it says there in 1302, it is evident. In my church, it's not evident. In my church, people get confirmed, they check a box, and then they leave. It's not evident. It's not like Pentecost. Ah, oh, good point. Another priest in the back of the room to my right says, when I was in seventh or eighth grade, me and my buddy, we were taught this by religious sisters. And by the time the bishop came, we were prepared. And when the bishop laid his hand upon us and said, receive the Holy Spirit, receive the seal of the Holy Spirit, me and my friend had a Pentecost experience. He said, we went back to our middle school and a revival broke out. Let me share with you, some of the priests who have come down to our events in Tallahassee are now experiencing this. And it's changing their priesthood. And they're sharing with me how it's changing their priesthood for the better. They're receiving the fire and power and, the, and the, the love and the life and the joy of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the comforter who lives inside of you and I. I was sitting with a group of priests and a bishop, and I said to them, the Holy Spirit wants his church back. I didn't know why I said that. I went home a week later, I found out scandal broke out. I was like, oh, the Holy Spirit wants his church back. Paul says, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants his church back. He wants you and I. He wants us to be a dwelling place for his spirit, for the comforter himself. But he doesn't want it only for us. He wants it to be manifest through us for a world in great need that are longing for the presence of God Almighty. Well, he lives inside of you and I. How do I know that? Well, because Jesus said that all through John 14. He says it all through, I mean, uh, yeah, John 14. And the church tells us this in 1286, 1287, 1288, and 1302 that we've received the Holy Spirit. That when the bishop laid hands upon us, said receive the seal of the Holy Spirit, we received the same Spirit of God that lived in Jesus, the same Spirit of God that did the signs, miracles and wonders through Jesus, the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that worked through the apostles at Pentecost, the same Holy Spirit that worked all through the Book of Acts in the early church that our first bishop, Peter, spoke to in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that same Holy Spirit lives inside of you. How do I know that? Because the church says it. It is evident from its celebration that the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. So this priest, he's angry. It's not evident in my church. I saw him a year later at an event. He runs up to me, gives me a big hug, smile on his face. "The said, Father, how are you doing? He goes, Bart, I am great. He goes, guess what, Bart? It's now evident. And I remembered what he had said. I said, okay, explain, Father. He says, I've changed our curriculum. And now confirmation looks more like what the catechism says it's supposed to be. It's now evident. It's like Pentecost. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's, oh, that's so wonderful. Keep doing it, Father. I see him a year later. He's at another event with priests. I'm sharing this again. He's smiling. I said, go ahead, Father, share with them. And he said, when I first heard this, I was angry because it's not evident in my church. And then I changed our curriculum. It's now evident. And we're seeing young people come into our church, and we're seeing them receive the Holy Spirit in such a profound way. It's radically changing them and their friends. And the rest of the priests were like, oh, not in my church. But they're wanting it. This is what Christ intended for us. So when he says, I'm going to leave, you're going to be sad because I'm not going to be with you, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. I am going to send you the spirit of truth, the counselor, the comforter, the advocate, and he is going to be in you and he is going to be with you forever. And he is going to teach you everything. He's going to teach you and remind you of all that I have done. And then he says in John 14, 12, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And as the Catechism tells us in 1286, 87, 88, and 1302, this is what you and I received at our confirmation when the bishop laid hands upon us and said, receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. You've already received this, but we don't even know we have it. We don't even know we have it. Let me share with you very quickly My experience, so like many of you, I grew up in the Catholic church, second youngest of seven, mom, dad involved in the church. We went to mass regularly on Sundays. We went to Catholic middle schools, high schools. Dad left when I'm five. Our family falls apart, but my mom still maintained those traditions. We still went to church. I went to a Catholic middle school, a Catholic high school. Never heard of this. I was confirmed. You know, I went to first communion. Of course, I was baptized. I don't remember that. Uh, first communion because that's what my brothers and sisters did. And then I got confirmed because that's what my brothers and sisters did. Check. I did that. I fulfilled my obligation. That was it. That's all I really knew. I'm sorry. I did tell you that, but that's all I really knew. Um, by the time I was 18, I walked away from the church. When I was in college, i lived for myself, uh, played college football and just lived the life of sin, walked away from God completely. So I'm like the statistics. 79% of young people leave the church who've been confirmed. I did. And then um, I had an encounter with the Father when I was 24 years old, like I share with you. A profound encounter. I felt His love, gave my life to Christ, went to confession um, with the priest, and He led me to Christ. He led me in a prayer, and I gave my life to Christ. And that's been 30-some years ago, and I've been walking with Him since. And uh, I love to share the love of the Father. I love to share Christ, and I love to share the power of the Holy Spirit. I love to share with the church everything the church has intended us to have. But I didn't even know what I had. And so after I encountered the Father, I went to an institute of ministry. I'm at this institute of ministry. They had a foot washing, and a man washes my feet, and he begins to cry. I jokingly say, my feet stink. <laughs> and uh, then God speaks to me, "Wash his feet. I wrestle, then I wash his feet. As I wash his feet, I break. I start sobbing. I walk to the front of the church crying i said father forgive me for my pride father i want whatever you have for me please protect me from anything that's not of you protect me from anything weird <laughs> but whatever is you i want and about that time the same man who washed my feet puts his hand on my back and he said speak and this beautiful heavenly language erupts from me and it's like scales fell from my eyes and it's like i had a pentecost experience like they did in the book of acts and then i saw them pray for someone who was deaf and she got healed and i said lord if this is real do this through me. Now it's Sunday. There's a lady in the back of the room, about 80 years old. The pastor said, does anyone want to pray? I stand up because I said, God, if this is real, do it through me. I go back to this lady. I said, this lady's not going to lie. I want to see if this is real. I have a hard time believing It's almost too good to be true. I go back to this lady. She's hunched over. She has a hump on her back, her neck hunched over. I didn't know what to do. I never prayed for anyone like this. I put my hand on her neck and I didn't even know what to say. I said, uh, G- Jesus, G- Jesus, 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 heal her, heal her, Jesus. Well, she falls. I don't know what to do. So I put her down on the ground. I go back to my seat. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she died. What did I do? You know, and I'm, I'm just, I'm struggling. And at the end of church, she gets up in front of all the people. And she says, for 12 years, I've had this condition in my neck. And today, my sweet Jesus has healed me. I went, oh, this is real. And I've seen God heal many. I've seen people not healed. I've seen people healed. I've seen impossible things. I've seen people with metal pins and plates in their back bend over and touch their toes. They weren't able to bend like this before that because of Jesus, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. What am I trying to say to you? Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to send you my spirit. And you're going to do the things that I've done because of my spirit that lives inside of you. And the church tells us that through our confirmation, we received the Holy Spirit, that we too can do what Jesus did. The apostles did what Jesus did, and that's our early church. And that laying on of hands that they did in receiving the Holy Spirit is what we receive in our confirmation. But as the priest said, that's not what I'm experiencing. But now that I'm teaching this, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what our young people are experiencing. This is what God intended for you and I. He intended us to live in the fullness of everything the Catholic Church teaches. He invited us to live into the fullness of our 2,000-year history. That as Catholics, we believe in the traditions, the sacraments, the liturgy, everything beautiful about the church, as well as the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened on the day of Pentecost. You have received the Holy Spirit. Jesus has given you his Spirit who lives inside of you. You received it through your baptism and your confirmation. When the bishop laid his hands upon you, he said, receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. The church says that origins of that are found in the book of Acts. Study the book of Acts. You'll be fascinated. This is what our faith is supposed to be like. So as we've been sharing, the world is hurting. Yes, they are. So let's bring them Christ. Let's bring them the life and power of the Holy Spirit, the love, the joy, the grace, because he lives inside of you and I. I just want to pray for you. You've already received it. The sacrament of confirmation is supposed to be practiced once and only once. You've received everything you need. All we're going to do is pray that the Holy Spirit would release what was already deposited. So what happened to me is that man prays for me and it's released. I look back now and I realized that's not when I received it. I received it at confirmation. But I didn't know I had it. It'd be like having someone giving me a million dollars. They said, hey, Bart, I put a million dollars in your bank account. Oh, great. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to get out $350,000. I'm going to buy a house for my family. So I go to the bank. I tell the lady, listen, here's my name. Um, I'm told that a million dollars was deposited in my in my bank account. She looks it up. She goes, sure enough, it is. Whoa, well, yes. I want to get out $350,000. So I write a deposit slip. I hand it to her and she goes, what's your account number? I don't know. She goes, well, I'm sorry. I can't give you your money without your account number. Oh, I don't know what my account number is. How frustrated would I be to know that I have a million dollars, but I can't get out enough money to buy a house? That's how I feel. I feel like, I've received much more than a million dollars. I received the very spirit of God at my confirmation. I didn't even know I had it. I didn't even know what I had. Someone asked me, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I said, "Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I didn't even know what I had. I've been given The presence and power of God himself. The word power in scripture is the word dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. We have the power of God living inside of us. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and I. And Jesus says, you'll do the things that I've done. We've been living so short of that. This is what Jesus invited us into. You have it. It's been given to you through your baptism and confirmation. So here's what I want to do. I just want to pray real quick. If we're with a group together, we might pray with one another, but I want you just to place your hand right below your heart. And I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that we come more fully into the sacramental grace of our baptism and confirmation. Lord Jesus, I thank you for teaching us that we're no longer orphans, but you've sent us your spirit and you're with us always. And you've invited us to do the things you've done. The spirit of truth who lives in us will teach us all things. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring each and every one of us more fully into our sacramental grace of baptism and confirmation. Holy Spirit I pray that you awaken within them that what they received when the bishop laid hands upon them the seal of the Holy Spirit that it would be released in a greater measure that they would be aware of your presence they'd be aware of your peace may your rivers of living water flow from within them and the Holy Spirit just manifest whatever way you desire to we we love you you're gentle just ask you to do what you desire to do. So I want to invite you just to give your fiat and just tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, have your way. I want what you have for me. Come, Holy Spirit. And as St. Bonaventure prayed, let us pray. He said, The Holy Spirit comes where he is loved, where he is invited, where he is expected. If you will, just say with me, and as the church teaches, say with me, come Holy Spirit, fill the heart of your faithful, and enkindle within me the fire of your love. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I love you. Holy Spirit, I invite you. Holy Spirit, I expect you. Come, Holy Spirit, and have your way. Amen. Lord, I pray you bless and seal all that you're doing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I think we have about eight to ten minutes left. If someone would like to share something about this experience, or share something that would encourage the rest of us around this, I want to invite you and give you a couple minutes, and then I'm going to ask Father Gary to close us out with prayer and whatever announcements he makes. Before we do any of that, I want to make a very quick announcement. I want to invite any of you that want to. I'm doing a virtual event uh, this next weekend. It's the August 31st to 1st. It's going to more fully go into this. It's called my day of equipping. Uh, You can go on the jp2healingcenter.org, jp, small i, small i, healingcenter.org, but back to this. So anyone want to share their experiences? We just prayed for more of the fullness of our sacramental grace of confirmation.
0: I'll just mention we we don't have to quit at two o'clock because we advertise till two thirty or so if it, we continue the discussion okay. as long as we need to. So
1: Okay. Great. I'm sorry. I you're right. <laughs> I just <laughs> checked my schedule. Excellent. So who would like to share? Let me ask you a couple questions. As we prayed, did any of you feel the peace of God, His sweet presence, His comfort? <laughs> How many of you, was this new to you to learn what the church says confirmation is intended to be? It was for
2: me. It was for me. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, That 1302 is the first time I ever heard that. And I'm 76 years old.
1: Yeah. And I think
2: if it was broadcasts, Every Sunday before confirmation that maybe the uh, confirmees would take it more serious than just wearing a white dress and being confirmed. I don't know. But it hit me like a rock when I read it.
1: Uh, That's well said. You're 76 years old. And that's the first time you heard what the church says about confirmation being like Pentecost. And I agree with you completely. If that was broadcast, how different would our experience of confirmation be? And, and that's, that's what I'm hearing from some of these priests, that it's, it's changing for them. And the life of the Spirit of God and the gentleness of his love and peace and presence. And um, But no, that's very well, very well said. And um, it is sad. Because I never heard about it either, and um, yeah, it's it's what God intends for us, though. He's opening up these teachings of Scripture and the church teachings to bring us more fully under what He intended. Anybody else?
3: Hi, Bart. I'm Trisha from California. And hey, when, I was, <laughs> when I was hi, when I was when we were praying, um, it's really busy. My kids are here, and I'm trying to listen. <laughs> But I was just asking, first of all, I think when you were you know, re- repeating the prayer, the invitation really struck my heart. Like, no matter what is going o- are on, and I think that's really symbolic for our world because it seems like it's crashing down, right? And yeah. the, symb- the symbol is of my kids kind of like talking and mommy. Um, I experienced a warmth. And, mm. you know, and I was thinking, and I, I've seen you before. And I had that sa- the same question, well, two things. It's not a question, but more of a, you know, pondering. Um, and you were saying, like, confirmation doesn't look like it should, right? And And I-, I was just thinking, like, I desire that for our parish, for our world, for my kids. And even myself, I've been confirmed, right? And I've encountered the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. And yet, if I can quote you, I'm... I smell, I I don't, I don't have that sweet aroma, you know, I'm Mm. grumpy, I'm frustrated, especially now living in isolation or whatever you want to call it. Like, I want to bear the sweetness of the Lord. I want my husband to come to Christ because the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And I don't Mm -hmm. see that in my life, right? I want that, especially because this is the time. It's easy to be virtuous when things are going well, right? That's right but it's the time when it's hard right now that I want to be the image of Christ. And sadly I'm not. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what, just a comment, I guess, that I desire. No, that's good. That's
1: good. Thank you, Tricia. And you know, if you want to see this in your church, you might want to encourage your, your pastor, your priest to come down to Tallahassee to one of our priest events. Um, it's been fascinating. What's been happening as these guys come, but I'm hearing yeah. you completely. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah, and we have the we that have sweet the- aroma
1: is ours. Mm-hmm. He he's right, given right. that to us.
3: We have the legionaries, and I've seen amazing things in their life. I've seen them transformed. I mean, I've seen oh, that. Yeah. But I do need to get my parish priest, but I've definitely seen
1: it firsthand with the LCs. Which, which legionaries are you do you know? It's, are they in Cuper- San Jose?
3: Yeah, Cupertino. You came and did an event at St. Lucie's. So we were there and
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know those so, guys. I'm doing an event. Yeah. I'm doing an event up there in October.
3: Yes, we're promoting it. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I've I've met you before.
1: So, Oh, you have, Oh wait, I remember meeting you now. I'm a little short You're part of of that core team, right?
3: Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. Good to hear your voice. I thought your voice sounded familiar. Thank you. You have the sweet aroma, Tricia. Just let it out. Thank you. You're welcome. Anybody else?
4: Hi, uh, I'm Pam. I'm from um, Colorado. Hi, Pam. Um, hi. I have I have a, a question to make. I've always been what I call a rabbit hole Christian. Um, you know, kind of scared to let people know. Oh, yeah. And um, you know, I I struggle all the time with. Still being scared, how do you keep it from, how do you keep from going back in your hole? <laughs> um, any ideas on that one?
1: That's a great question. Um, you know, this is this is kind of a humorous way of answering this, and I'll expound on it in a minute. But by chance, you ever seen the movie Croods?
4: Um, no,
1: I don't think it's so. It's a kid's movie. Okay. Look it up. I recommend it. I recommend uh-huh. it as a homework assignment for your crudes. It's C-R-O, maybe A-D-S or O-O-D-S. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. The, the cartoon about the cavemen, is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So here's the, here's the story. I actually, I actually shared this at a men's event um, not long ago. But So they're, they're a family of cavemen, cave people. And the father has these philosophies. Um, never not be afraid change is bad and they live in this cave and their daughter eep (laughs) um, has this longing to get outside and so she sneaks out of the cave and she goes up to the top and there's a little sun you know kind of breaking in and she reaches her hand up to the sun and she just wants she just wants to get out of the cave out of her place of fear Mm -hmm. and uh but her father they protect them and they keep them in this pattern of fear well one day it all gets destroyed Not only is their cave destroyed, but their whole place they lived is destroyed and the rocks are caving in, everything's caving in and now they got to leave and they got to go out and as the rocks break around them, all of a sudden it opens up into this beautiful, colorful forest and they venture out there and it's all about the adventure of them coming into this quote new world of, you know, this new adventure of following the sun, but it's just a, it's a, it's a kid's story, but it's very revealing to how we're stuck in our caves of fear and how God wants to lead us out into an adventure. So that's a fun way of answering your question. But, you know, I understand that. I think we all struggle with fear to a certain degree. And, and particularly in this time, you know, there's that's kind of pounding at us right now. Um, and The simple answer to everything um, is Christ. We know that, but what does that really mean? The simple answer in relation to what we're talking about today is the Holy Spirit and the Comforter and allowing more and more room and access for Him. But then there's another way, um, and that's sometimes by renouncing things. Father Gary, I think I saw you, you're going to do something with Neil Lozano's book, material. Yes. I would recommend that for you um, because there's, there's a power in renouncing. In fact, maybe I'll just lead us all right now in a prayer of renouncing. Um, so if you will, just say with me, say, in the name of Jesus,
0: in the name of Jesus,
1: I renounce fear, I renounce fear. and I renounce the spirit of fear. And in Jesus' name, I receive your love, your Holy Spirit, your peace. The love of God casts out fear. Now, often with all of us, these things are rooted into something deeper. And again, I've plugged this several times, but Bob's book does walk through a lot of this. in The Be Healed book. Um but sometimes it's connected to some deeper rooted places and wounds and and we can try to reason it away and it's just it's anchored into something deeper um, so I'd recommend that journey as well and if we're ever nearby where you are or if you can get to any of our events we we do this in our healing no person event uh, we walk through some of these things and healing and related to that but Hopefully that helps, but the simple answer is Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but sometimes there's some things that we need freed up so we can experience that warmth. Trisha, I think it was you that said, as we prayed, you just felt the warmth of the Holy Spirit. You know, the catechism talks about the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's in 696. It said fire symbolizes the transforming energy of the Holy Spirit's actions, so I just pray that the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit will drive out the fear and comfort you and bring you peace. Thank you for sharing that. Somebody else?
4: Thank you. Um, hello? Yes. Hi, hello. Um, before anything else, um, I would actually like to apologize a while ago for mistaking before Dr. Bob.
1: <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. It happens a lot.
4: Yeah, It's it, a compliment. It really... I love my brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really thought you are Dr. Bob. Sorry, I thought it was a typo. Okay. No, so, that's um, perfectly
1: fine. Thank you.
4: Okay. So this uh, here's my question. Um, if uh, God reminds us that the Holy Spirit is within us, then um, why is there this quiet in our soul during times of um, desolation, emptiness? Or how do I say this? Um, what St. John of the Cross calls uh, the dark night of the soul?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah so, that, that's what, all. what was your question about the dark night of the soul?
4: Um, then, if uh, if God reminds us that the Holy Spirit is within us, then where does He allow this quiet in our souls during times uh-huh. of desolation and emptiness?
1: Yeah. Good question. Um, lots of different reasons, but what I'm thinking about is you're asking that is something I had a priest share with me one time. He was talking about Mm -hmm. the darkness of the soul or desolation. And um, he said, oftentimes in the midst of that darkness, there's a small speck of light. And if you just gaze upon that small speck of light, it can lead you towards something in the Lord. So really, if you're willing, if you want to just close your eyes a minute, I can lead you in that prayer but I want you just to picture the darkness and just describe to me what you're seeing as I pray to picture the darkness. Holy Spirit, lead her. Lead us all. Yes. Are you experiencing Um, the darkness?
4: Yeah.
1: Can you see it? Yes. Okay. Holy Spirit, I ask you to illuminate your light in the midst of that darkness show her where your light is look in the midst of that darkness and see if you see a little speck of light yes you see it yes oh, praise god it's
4: like, yeah it's like i'm so uh i'm in a dark tunnel but yeah um, you know it's it's very dark but i can see a very a tiny speck of light from okay.
1: afar Okay, gaze upon that light. And let me just invite the Lord, Holy Spirit, just come and just, you are the light. I ask you to search out the dark places and reveal your light and your truth. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to just reveal to to her where you are. Where are you in the midst of that darkness? Come, Holy Spirit.
4: Yes.
1: Can you tell us what you're experiencing?
4: Actually, um honestly every time I pray, uh, there there are times that I'm picturing uh, what I've described what described a while ago, but um sometimes I just couldn't feel the spirit at all.
1: Right. Yeah. Is that what you're experiencing yeah. right
4: now? Um right now. Um just what I've um mentioned a while ago i actually feel empty and uh,
1: desolate you feel the desolation
4: yes i've been actually experiencing this since how do i say this for 4 years okay. and i've prayed to god to get me out of this darkness but okay. yeah
1: i would i would as 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 Father Gary um lists the events that he has coming up that one I saw related to Neil Lozano, I would encourage you to sign that up, and I think Father Gary mm-hmm. might be able to lead you through that. I'll let him speak to that in a little bit, but um because sometimes the desolation you know there's more to it, and sometimes it's it's just a simple desolation but let me just pray for you one more time and and the rest of us listening can enter into this as well, but if you're experiencing any type of desolation or darkness or any of those things. Again, just just allow yourself to feel it. And let me pray into that a minute. Father, I thank you that you're a good and loving Father. And I pray you reach down and touch us. Lord Jesus, reveal your truth, your light, your life. You are the light of the world. And in the midst of darkness, Father, you said, let there be light. And I speak to that darkness and I say, darkness, turn into light. Darkness be gone. Light, shine, come forth. Lord, let there be light. Holy Spirit. You're like a lamp that searches out the innermost places of our being. I pray you search out the innermost places, shine your light, reveal what you want to reveal. Come Holy Spirit. Come, come Holy Spirit. Lord, I just ask you to comfort her, surround her with your angels, your ministering angels, defend her, Michael, the archangel, and just set her free. And I, I, in Jesus' name, bind the things that are hindering her, and I pray that your spirit, your peace, your grace would comfort her. Give her peace and grace. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. What are you experiencing as I'm praying? Uh, right now? Yeah.
4: Yeah, actually, um, I feel lighter. Lighter? The, yeah. Although I, I know uh, there's still an emptiness that I feel, but it seems that. Um, I'm basking in the power of the Holy Spirit right now.
1: Yeah, praise God. Amen. Just just yes, enjoy God. his presence. Yes. Um, just enjoy his presence. And, and you may want to sign up uh, with uh, that, that course that Father Gary will be offering. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you. Just enjoy his presence. Thank you. Anyone else want to share? Of course. Just
0: some of the things you said, mentioned to me about, you know, this, if that image when Jesus went out into the desert how he was led by the spirit and how the angels ministered to him. You know, he was in the wilderness. He was in the darkness. He experienced the desolation, but he was not alone. Amen. You know, the Holy spirit was there with him and, in trusting that and knowing that gives us the hope to persevere and, and to be faithful and, and know that we can with his help and Amen. learn, learn to rely on him and depend on him.
1: Amen. Father Gary, you want to talk about the Unbound Freedom in Christ?
0: Yeah, that's just one of the upcoming retreats that we do have. I, I put it up on the screen for people that we have uh, uh, several of the in, per- so in person or um, online. The, the difficulty with Unbound, of course, is that we also want to pray with people, which we do in person. We won't be able to pray with you online, but, uh, um, but you could definitely listen to the talks and read the book. And I think a lot of people will get a lot just from that as well. So if you want to attend that, uh, we'll have that, of course, filmed online. So um, along with our other upcoming retreats.
1: Amen. Thank you, Father Gary. Anybody else have something they want to share of their experience with the Holy Spirit or anything else they wanted to share?
2: This is Kate. I'm really grateful to have been here today. It's um, Kate. Yeah it it kind of feels like um, I wish we had a cake and because we're celebrating our <laughs> confirmations in a new way. Like Amen. I feel like I feel like I remember what it's like to be 15 and I want to have like and I'd have the warmth that was spoken about and the peace Amen. and Amen. Um, and you know what came to me is that. I've been afraid of the power I just like to share on the word power. So power for me, unfortunately, I've been thinking that if I were to tap into that power of Holy spirit, then it's a re-experience of like this false power, counterfeit power that my family lived under Mm -hmm. where it was a lot of, um, materialism, grandiosity, covering insecurity, addiction. Um, And so I think I'm afraid of power that that's, that I, why would I want to re-experience that? I know that that is wrong. (laughs) That's not right for my life. But then I'm thinking about how Jesus turns everything upside down in the gospels.
1: His power
2: is I'm meek and humble of heart.
1: That's right. Mm -hmm.
2: And so, so, you know, I can really, I want that kind of power and, and uh, you know, like the McCarrick, you know how the McCarrick scandal, when it, when it all unfolded, it showed that, um, you know, this person that had been acting as so powerful as a priest, prophet and king, you know, doing all these things all over the world and in their country, bringing such harm to the church. And I had had to pull the plug on things that were in my family separation because of the unchecked things that I just discussed. And it mm-hmm. was so hard. But fortunately, there were wonderful priests that gave me the, you know, the best counsel um, I didn't expect to find, um, anyway, uh, but you know, so I was so glad when the church pulled the plug on all that and it's still trying to do that to show that that's not power, that, you know, that it's meek and humble of heart and purity and chastity in, in men and, uh, and in the priesthood. So anyway, I'd love if you have any thoughts on what I just shared. No, that,
1: that's great, Kate. And you know, it's, I think of John ten ten. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come, to bring you life, abundant life. So everything the enemy does, all the way back to Adam and Eve, he always comes with a partial truth and he distorts it. Think of what he said to Adam and Eve. Oh, you won't really die if you eat of that. Well, they ate of the fruit. Did they die? Well, physically they didn't. He spoke a partial truth. But boy, did they die and we've con- suffered the <laughs> consequence of it. Their spirit died, right? So the enemy always comes with deception. He does the same with power. And so he he will come and distort all the good things of God. And so then it makes us to not want that good thing. You know, like for me, I gave up on love because I didn't think love existed because I was abandoned and rejected by my father. Well, I was losing out on something very valuable that God wanted me to have, but I was afraid of it because it represented so much pain and hurt. Mm -hmm. So I hear you saying that with power, you know, it's like, I don't want power because power represents all these other things and negative things and honestly I deal with this when I when I minister to people who've been molested is you know why do they want intimacy with God why do they want to surrender yes. to power because they've been manipulated they've been violated yes. they've been used they've been abused right so why would I want to be vulnerable and so the enemy places that in our hearts and our lives and it becomes a very real experience oh that's that represents something negative to me so what God wants to do is what he's doing with you is he wants to give us the truth where we encounter the the true it exposes the counterfeit. You know how they teach people how to how to find counterfeit money? Yeah. They handle real money so many times that when a counterfeit comes through their hands they recognize it. So as we as we experience the genuine and the true, like you're talking about the warmth, the peace, the sweet power of the Holy Spirit, we now can see the deception and the lie of the false power. And so, uh, you know, I commend you for opening yourself to that to that grace and that love um of of the holy spirit the genuine power and the genuine love because we're all craving it but the enemy sets these places in our hearts that keep us from wanting what god really has for us so thanks for sharing that and may the holy spirit continue to be present and bless you you know a couple of you mentioned warmth and i was going to read this earlier let me read catechism 696 on fire this is really powerful catechism 696 while water signifies birth In the fruitfulness of life given in the Holy Spirit, fire symbolizes the transforming energy of the Holy Spirit's actions. So that warmth you're feeling is the transforming energy of the Holy Spirit's actions. The prayer of the prophet Elijah who rose like fire and whose word burned like a torch brought down fire from heaven on the sacrifice on Mount Carmel. There was demonic forces there and he called down God's fire and it consumed the evil and made room for God's presence. Um, this event was a figure of the fire of the Holy Spirit who transforms what he touches. So the Holy Spirit, it's the transforming energy of the Holy Spirit's actions, and the Holy Spirit transforms what he touches. So he's transforming you as you're feeling his warmth. John the Baptist, who goes before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, proclaims Christ as the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus will say of the Spirit, I came to cast fire upon the earth and wood that were already kindled, that's the fire of his sweet presence. In the form of tongues as a fire, the Holy Spirit rests on the disciples on the morning of Pentecost and fills them with himself, what we talked about earlier. The spiritual tradition has retained this symbolism of fire as one of the most expressive images of the Holy Spirit's actions. This spiritual tradition has retained this symbolism of fire as one of the most expressive images of the Holy Spirit's actions. Do not quench the Spirit. St. Paul says in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So our sin and the sins of others grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we resist the Holy Spirit, it's like kinks in a hose. It cuts off and quenches His presence. So your yieldedness, your fiat, is, is making room for the Spirit of God and the warmth and the fire of the Holy Spirit to transform you, to touch you. And He's awakening a desire and a hunger for the truth of what real power is. Of his love and his grace, and his power. I mean, it's a power that raised Jesus from the dead, but it's a pure power. So, thank you, Kate, for sharing that. let me see what we are. Hey, well, Time yeah, what was ahead. the
2: Old Testament? What was the Old Testament reading um, with fire in it? Please.
1: Was the... um, that's talking about Elijah, and that's in One Kings. Uh, I believe it's eighteen or nineteen.
2: Thank you so much.
1: And this is Catechism six ninety six on fire.
2: Um, so if we jo- if we joined your retreat in the upcoming weekend, will there be also time to share and have discussion like we've had on this retreat? I'm wondering. It's well, really helpful.
1: It's, it's gonna be a virtual retreat. It's pre recorded. So it's gonna be you're gonna get a lot of information, a lot more lot more of this information. Um it'll be really beneficial, but we won't have well actually I take that back. I think we do have a question and answer at the very end of it on Saturday. Okay. That's right, we do, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sign up. I think you'll enjoy it.
2: Okay.
1: Anybody else? Well, Father Gary, if no one else has anything they want to share, I'll turn it over to you, and you can share what you want to share and close us out.
0: Yeah, the. The image um, I have is the, you know, Jesus is asleep on the boat, and mm. <laughs> we're in the midst of the storm, and, you know, he's right there, and yet we still fear, we're still worried, we're still in, you know, the, the trials and the darkness, and and you could just hear it in the apostle's voice, like, when they wake him up, like, what are you doing, like, He tells us, you know, I've had a plan the whole time. I'm with you the whole time. Do not be afraid. And so to me that, um, you know, gift of the Holy Spirit that he wants to pour out and give is that same, you know, consoling message, you know, do not be afraid. Um, And, you know, yes, that the storm still happens, you know, the storm is still going on, but Christ is right there with us. Yeah. And so.
1: If I, if I can just add something real quick to that, Father Gary, I um, I was lost at sea when I was in college, and I thought we were going to die out at sea, and we are rescued. So when I, when I now read that, I used to read that as the apostles, you know, they were in some little storm. Why were they afraid? But then I thought they were fishermen. I thought this had to be a pretty big storm for them to be afraid. And here they're waking up Jesus, as you said, and Jesus is sleeping. And I'm like, how could Jesus sleep in the midst of that storm? Well, Jesus knew of a peace that they didn't know of. And that's what he's inviting us into, just like you're saying, Father Gary, that's the peace of the Holy Spirit, that no matter what the storm is around us, we're going to be all right if we rest with Jesus and and stay in his spirit, because Jesus said we're going to get to the other side. And so we're going to get through this and allow his peace to come for you. So back to you, Father Gary.
0: Well, we'll just go ahead and pray and then I'll make the announcements.
1: Can I say something really quick? Okay. Yesterday,
2: I heard someone talk about the witness of when, um, when God parted the Red Sea or parted the sea for them in slavery. I mean, that's allowing God to, to, be, to act for us um, like Jesus did in that storm.
1: Amen. Thank
2: you.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Mm. Heavenly Father, we just pray. Pour an outpouring of your blessings upon all your children. Pour out that gift of the Holy Spirit that we received at our baptism, our confirmation. Mm -hmm. Seal all those graces and blessings we have received today. Continue to help us to know your presence, to know the gifts you have given to us to know that when we have received something as a gift, it's not just for ourselves, but meant to be used and shared, that we use our gifts for God and for others. And so we need your help, we need your strength, we need your courage. We just turn to you as we do so often and know we rely on you, that you are going to be with us and that you send the Holy Spirit to us. And we pray that the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come upon you and remain with you forever. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you.
0: Well, I first just need to thank Bart for his presentations and prayers today. And I'm sure on behalf of everyone that they were were all speaking, but it doesn't work real well on Zoom, that, you know, they would all be sharing the same. Uh, We just appreciate you joining us in those words today.
1: Thank you, Father Gary.
0: And so again, I'll put the slide back up and uh, of course we have our schedule of upcoming retreats. And first, of course, Bart shoots next weekend, as he mentioned, the virtual equipping conference. Also um, through next weekend to this last week of July on our website is Father Larry Richards uh, program on surrender is available and then of course the uh regular retreats that we have at our retreat house which will also be available to watch online if you can't come here in person so in august we have a women's retreat with father sean kukali contemplating the face of christ and of course men could watch online too but uh, and then august 28th to 30th as we mentioned the unbound freedom in christ Uh, With Matt Simmons and myself, it's based on that book by Neil Ozano Unbound. And so do recommend that book along with uh, Dr. Bob Schutz, Be Healed. Both of them have been really powerful in my own life. So um, all our retreats you can find out at goodcounselretreat.com or for Bart Shoots' virtual conference next weekend, the jp2healingcenter.org. Uh, We just appreciate your prayers and participation, um, especially also for those of you who were able that gave a a donation or, you know, um, if the Lord feels uh, calling you to do so, uh, you can do that on our website as well. Uh, We appreciate that support that helps us to continue to have retreats like this. And I get messages from so many people that, you know, are shut in or in a nursing home or elderly and couldn't afford a retreat, can't come to a retreat, but Thanks to our donors that these retreats are possible. So thank you.